the Hutterberg Catechism. Let's read together Lord's Day 25. Since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by their use he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us. On the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two. Holy baptism and the Holy Supper. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Each Sunday we have opportunity to gather twice for worship. A major part of our worship is hearing the preaching of the gospel. We'll spend 30 to 35 minutes listening to the word of God being explained and applied to our lives. For pastors, this is the most important part of their task. As preachers, we have been charged, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Besides holidays, pastors are on the pulpit most Sundays. By the time you include the special feast days, it works out to a little less than a hundred times each year. If you regularly attend church, you'll hear over a hundred sermons each year. But, beloved, doesn't make any difference. I ask myself that question sometimes. Does it make any difference that pastors pour their hearts into their preaching and deliver message after message from God's Word? Isn't it all futile? People still sin. We do things that offend God and that hurt others. We continue to make a mess out of our lives. At times it seems we're going backwards instead of forwards. Young people stray and relationships break down. At times we seem to be conforming ourselves to the world. So why preach? Does the preaching really have any effect? At times, we can get discouraged when it seems like there's so little progress in the development of faith in the lives of fellow church members. Aren't we all supposed to be coming to a living faith in Jesus Christ? 
Shouldn't we all be growing in spiritual maturity? How does that happen? What means does God use to cause us to come to faith and to grow in our faith? This afternoon we'll consider where faith comes from and how God works it in our hearts. We'll do that by examining how Peter was called by God to go to the home of Cornelius, a Roman centurion. He was told to enter the home of a man whom the Jews considered ceremonially unclean. Cornelius was a God-fearing man, but he had not yet heard about Jesus Christ. Peter preaches the gospel to Cornelius and to the many others gathered in his house. The preaching had effect. The Holy Spirit came upon these Gentile believers. He worked faith in Jesus Christ into their hearts. He caused them to respond to the gospel by speaking in tongues and by extolling God. Then these new believers were also baptized in Jesus' name. From this we see where faith comes from and how it's strengthened. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. The Holy Spirit uses the word and sacraments to focus our faith on Jesus Christ. The Spirit works faith through the word, and the Spirit strengthens faith through the sacraments. Lord's Day 25 begins a new section of the Catechism. The title above this Lord's Day reads, The Word and Sacraments. That's what we'll be dealing with in the coming seven Lord's Days. There's a reason why our catechism now deals with the matter of word and sacraments. Lord's Day 7 stated that only those with faith in Jesus Christ could be saved. In Lord's Days 8 to 22, the catechism dealt with the contents of our faith. Following the outline of the Apostles' Creed. In Lord's Day 23, we learn that it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we're righteous before God and heirs to eternal life. So we see that there is great benefit in having faith. It's by faith in Jesus Christ that my sins are forgiven, that I have salvation now and forevermore. The natural question that follows is, where am I going to get such faith? That's the central question of Lord's Day 25. Since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does this faith come from? The answer given in our Lord's Day is that faith comes from the Holy Spirit. Our catechism derives this answer from Scripture. When Nicodemus asked Jesus about how a man is born again, Jesus said, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 says, God has revealed his gospel to us through his Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 teaches us, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who works faith in people's hearts. 
Ephesians 2 verse 8 teaches that faith is a gift of God. This teaching has not always been accepted. Many Christians today do not attribute faith to the working of the Spirit within them. Instead, many see faith as their personal choice for God. They think that each person is able to decide for himself whether or not to believe. In their way of thinking, faith is not the result of the powerful working of the Holy Spirit within them. Instead, it's their personal choice to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. The canons of Dort speak clearly against such teaching. Chapter 3, 4, Article 12 is titled, How God Brings About Conversion. It says that God takes care that the gospel is preached to them, powerfully enlightens their minds by the Holy Spirit, so that they may rightly understand and discern the things of the Spirit of God. By the efficacious, that is the effective working of the same regenerating Spirit, he also penetrates into the innermost recesses of man. He opens the closed and softens the hard heart, circumcises that which was uncircumcised, and instills new qualities in the will. Candace Adored, chapter 3, 4, article 14 is titled, How Faith is a Gift of God. It says, faith is therefore a gift of God, not merely because it's offered by God to the free will of man, but because it's actually conferred on man, instilled and infused into him. The point should be clear. Faith is something that God sovereignly works into our hearts by his Spirit. We need to recognize, beloved, the effect that the fall of sin had on us. Our minds were darkened. Our hearts were corrupted. Our desires became impure. We became totally corrupt. We were slaves to sin. We need the Holy Spirit to do a mighty, life-changing work in us. To regenerate us. To cause us to be born again. To change us from the inside out. So we turn away from our sins and toward the service of our great God. Our catechism not only teaches us that it is the Holy Spirit who works faith in our hearts, it also teaches how he works faith in us. It says that he works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel. The scriptures make this abundantly clear. In 1 Peter 1, verse 23, Peter says... For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Paul confirms this when he writes to Timothy about how he has been brought up in the faith from a young age. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, Paul says that from infancy, Timothy has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We see that faith requires knowledge of the Word of God. This Word needs to be implanted in our hearts 
by the Holy Spirit. It is especially through the preaching of the gospel that the Holy Spirit works faith in us. In Romans 10, Paul explains the way of salvation. He says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That he asks. And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Paul concludes, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ. The book of Acts shows us how God used the preaching of the gospel to bring many to a living faith in Jesus Christ. We read this afternoon part of Acts 10. Acts 10 tells the story of how Peter was called to go to the house of Cornelius, a Roman centurion. Normally, Jews did not have much interaction with Gentiles, and they certainly would not enter their homes to share any kind of fellowship. The reason was that if a Jewish person entered the home of someone who did not keep the ceremonial laws of Moses, he would become unclean. Yet God himself prepared Peter and the church for how God would include also Gentiles among his people. He gave Peter these visions of a sheet of unclean animals being lowered from heaven with the command, rise, kill and eat. Peter responds by stating that he has never eaten anything common or unclean. A voice came to him saying, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times before the sheet was taken once more into heaven. Peter was perplexed by this vision and by what it might mean. Yet while he was pondering it, there was a knock at the gate. God had answered Cornelius' prayers and told him to send men to Joppa, where Simon Peter was staying. They were to request Peter to come with them. While Peter was, was pondering the vision he had received, the Spirit told him that three men had come for him, that he was, accompanied to, he was to accompany them without any hesitation, for God had sent them. So we see, Peter was directed by God to go to Caesarea, to enter the home of a Roman centurion, Cornelius. When Peter arrives, Cornelius was expecting him. He had gathered together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered his home, he found many persons gathered. Cornelius said to Peter, Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. What a beautiful perspective Cornelius had on what was about to happen in his home. He recognizes that he and his friends and family were gathered in the presence of God. That's what happens when we gather and worship as well. We come together with the comfort and the assurance that where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, he is there among us. Cornelius also has a glorious perspective on preaching. He says that he and his family and friends were gathered to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Please remember, beloved, that the apostles have been commanded 
to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the triune God and teaching them to observe all that Christ had commanded them. They were told, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Thus, Peter receives an invitation to preach the gospel in Cornelius' home. Peter does so. He testifies of his Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, and of all his wondrous works. He highlights Christ's death and resurrection, and how God had appointed Jesus to judge the living and the dead. Peter preached the gospel, making it clear that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will receive the forgiveness of sins through his name. And then something wonderful, something amazing happens. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. This has often been called the second Pentecost or the Pentecost for the Gentiles. Just like on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out in a special way on those who heard the gospel in Cornelius' house. Just like on the day of Pentecost, this outpouring of the Spirit is accompanied by special signs. Peter and the Jews who had come with him from Joppa heard these Gentile people speaking in tongues and extolling God. They were amazed, for they saw that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out, even on the Gentiles. In a dramatic way, we see how the Lord worked in the hearts of Cornelius and his family and friends. Upon hearing the gospel, God poured out his Spirit upon them, and they believed in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Our reading from Acts 10 makes it clear that the preaching of the gospel is the primary means by which God works faith in the hearts of his people. The Holy Spirit uses the preaching of the gospel, the hearing of the message of salvation, to bring people to faith. The preaching is the means that the Holy Spirit uses to do his mighty life-giving work in the hearts and lives of all these people. There's an important lesson we learn from this. God has always communicated to his people by speaking. It is by speaking that God established his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He spoke great promises to his people. He called them to live in close fellowship with him. Jesus came into this world as the Logos, the Word of God. He communicated the gospel of salvation by preaching and teaching. The people received him because he spoke with authority and not as their scribes. Anyone who wants to meet Christ, the Son of God, can only meet him in the proclamation of the gospel. This is the means God has ordained for people to come to faith. 
That's why it's so important for us to gather in worship, to listen to and meditate on the gospel proclaimed among us. The church is the Holy Spirit's workshop. The Spirit works faith and deepens our faith through the preaching of the gospel. This brings us to our second point, and we'll see how the Spirit strengthens faith through the sacraments. Different people learn in different ways. Educators tell us that there are three main learning styles. There are auditory learners. People that understand and learn best when information is presented so that they can hear it. There are also visual learners. People that understand and learn best when information is presented visually so they can see it. Finally, there are also kinesthetic learners. People who learn and understand best by a hands-on approach, by doing things. While most people are able to learn through all these means, most of us have a method through which we learn best. As our Creator, God knows this. It's interesting to see how God teaches His people through all three of these means. The primary manner in which God communicated with His people was through speaking. It's through leaders like Moses and by the, apostle, by the prophets and apostles that God spoke to His people. They communicated who God was. They spoke about His wondrous deeds. They told people how God wanted them to live. Yet this is not the only manner in which God communicated with His people. In delivering His people from Egypt, God displayed His power and might in the ten plagues He sent on Egypt. When the Lord established His covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai, they saw lightning, they heard flashes of thunder, they experienced the mountain quaking. When God went with them into the wilderness, He led them by a cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. At different times during their wilderness sojourning, the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting. God caused water to come forth from the rock. He fed his people with manna from heaven. Through the prophets, the Lord often communicated through images. Ezekiel prophesies about a valley of bleached bones coming to life again. To speak not only of how God would restore his people to life after the exile but also of the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. When he commissioned the prophet Hosea, the Lord told him to marry a prostitute so that some of her children would be conceived in prostitution. God did that so that through Hosea's life, he could illustrate how Israel had acted like a prostitute in turning against the Lord to worship other gods. In his public ministry, Jesus often used images to convey the gospel message. 
In his parables, Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed or like yeast or like a pearl of great value. Jesus portrayed himself as a shepherd, a vine, and a bridegroom. All these different types of images are meant to convey the gospel in a more visual manner. Thus, even through the preaching ministry, God communicates in ways that visual learners can understand. God also communicates in a way that hands-on people can experience. The gospel is not only something we hear and see and thus understand. The gospel is also something we are required to live. You can live in communion with God or you can live outside of his fellowship. When you are in communion with God, you experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. You live in the joy of your faith. You have a living hope in Christ's resurrection from the dead. When you separate yourself from God, you live in darkness. If you want to walk that pathway, God will give you over to your sins. He will allow you to experience the pain and the sorrow that goes with that. Thus, no matter what kind of learner you are, God communicates in a way that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be understood and can be taken to heart. This is evident also in our worship. Not only does God speak through the preaching of the gospel, he also shows us signs of his grace towards us in the sacraments. The sacraments are wholly visible signs and seals. A sign is a picture that helps us understand some spiritual truth. In the sacraments, Christ has given us pictures of his grace towards us. Water is symbolic of washing, and thus baptism is a picture of how God promises to wash away our sins in Jesus Christ. Bread is a symbol of life, and wine is a symbol of joy. And thus in the Lord's Supper, we have a picture of how God allows us to share in Christ's body and blood offered for us on the cross. In the sacraments, the Lord also seals his promises to us. He guarantees that as surely as we see a spiritual truth pictured before us, so surely will he grant us what he has promised us. In baptism, God assured us that we are as truly cleansed from our sins spiritually as we are bodily washed with water. In the Lord's Supper, God assures us that by the working of the Holy Spirit, we share in Christ's body and blood, as surely as we partake of the bread and wine in remembrance of Christ. As we see, the Lord strengthens our faith by assuring us of his promises through the sacraments. The purpose of the sacraments is to present the gospel to us in a visual way. It is so that at times when we're not listening well, God can still communicate his grace in Jesus Christ 
to us. The sacraments direct us to Jesus Christ. They're intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation. Christ has instituted the sacraments so the Holy Spirit can strengthen and nourish our faith through them. Thus we see both the wisdom and the mercy of God. He communicates the gospel to us through the preaching of the word and by the administration of the sacraments. So that whether we are better auditory learners or visual learners, the message can get across. I want you to also remember, beloved, that gospel communication is unlike any other kind of communication. When God sends forth the gospel, he works it into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit enables us to understand and to experience God's grace in Jesus Christ. He works faith in our hearts. He strengthens faith through word and sacrament. These are the means God has ordained for this purpose. Now I want to come back to the question I asked at the beginning of this service. Does it make any difference that we as preachers preach the gospel or whether or not you listen to it? Does the preaching have any real effect in our lives? Yes, it does. Do you know how I know that? Because God says so in his word. In Isaiah 55, the Lord makes a comparison between the effect of rain falling on the earth and his word being preached. God says that just as rain and snow come down from heaven and water the earth, causing it to bring forth seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. God sent Peter to the home of Cornelius, a Roman centurion. He preached the gospel, and the Spirit caused it to have effect. These Gentile people believed the good news of Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead. To assure them that God's promises were also for them, they were baptized as a sign that also their sins were washed in the blood of Christ. God accomplished this by the powerful working of his Holy Spirit. It is God who brings people to faith and who keeps them living close to him. Beloved, we need to sit under the preaching each Sunday partake and witness the sacraments regularly. It is true that sometimes there does not seem to be much progress in the development of faith in each of our lives. 
We're not always stepping forward to a greater maturity in our faith and our walk with God. But when we are fed regularly, God's Spirit has ample opportunity to work. That's not the case in those who don't participate in the worship services. If you look at the lives of those who don't worship regularly, you'll see that over time they drift from the faith, that over time they lose their connection with God. Their lives are often messed up. Instead of walking in the light, they walk in darkness. Thus, both from God's Word and from the experience of life, we see how the Spirit brings us to faith and keeps us in the faith through the Word and sacraments. May that encourage us to be faithful and diligent in partaking of these means of grace. Amen.